Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with members of the St. Louis Collaborative Family Law Association. Joining us today are Susan Amato and Sophie Raza, who are both family law attorneys in the St. Louis area, and Nicole Pace, a mental health professional in the St. Louis area. Thank you for joining us today for the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So let's begin with a simple first question, and that is, what is the St. Louis Collaborative Family Law Association? And Susan, you've been involved in this for a long time. What can you kind of tell us about the organization? So it's a professional organization of attorneys, mental health professionals, and financial professionals who have committed to the collaborative process and to working together to help people resolve disputes outside of court. Why you have a professional organization is because it's a different kind of work than we learn to do in law school and really than the other professionals. I'm speaking for myself as a lawyer, but the mental health and financial people too. It's a different role and it's learning to work together in a non-adversarial way. So having the support of a professional association to help you to make that shift to a non-adversarial divorce process is important. And so that's some of what the Collaborative Family Law Association provides. And, and Sophie, building on that, uh, what is this non-adversarial divorce process and what is what does that really mean? So collaborative law cases, um, they take place completely out of court. Um, you actually don't even file anything in court when when you start meeting. Um, both spouses have to commit to the collaborative process and hiring um, collaborative attorneys in the case. So generally speaking, once the attorneys are picked, the attorneys get together and pick the team. The team is comprised of two attorneys, a mental health professional, and a financial professional. So you assemble this team, and through a series of meetings over a period of time, you you know discuss and collaborate on um, you know all the issues involved in your divorce and try to reach a resolution without a judge involved telling you what you have to do with your life and your kids. So it, it it's fairly obvious that that you have for a divorce you have attorneys. Uh, Nicole, why do you have a mental health professional in a divorce case? Well, one of the things we like to say when we get started in a case is that the collaborative process uh, recognizes that divorce is a legal process, but it's also a financial process and it's an emotional process. So the role that the mental health professional plays on the, on the team is to support both of the clients as they're th getting through this journey, helping them make good decisions, helping them be present. Um, emotions can be, uh, can make it difficult to make good decisions sometimes. So we want to be able to honor where people are at, make sure the team understands what, what the needs are of the folks emotionally, or maybe slowing things down when needed. Um, and also just giving them a chance to take a deep breath, think about what they want, what's important to them. We call those the interests in the collaborative process and making sure that as we're making decisions together, that we're really honoring what people's interests are as they're finishing up, ending their marriage and starting their new lives. And, and I, as I as I hear you talk about some of that, I, uh, I it then comes, I think, back around to 
the question about the uh, attorneys. As attorneys, you're you have a mindset about court and and what your role is. How is that different? How is your role different as attorneys in in a in a collaborative case? In in a traditional divorce, our role is to prove our client's case and present it to the judge. And usually our focus is on getting our client as much money as we can. In a collaborative divorce, we still are looking out for the best interests of our client. And we're also looking at the needs of the whole family. So we're we're really trying to understand not only our client's needs, but also the needs of the kids and the needs of the other party. And we're we're trying to support our client in making decisions that um, meet all of those needs, their own and the needs of the other party. I think of my role more in the collaborative case as an advocate and a problem solver, not an arguer, which is where I'm in court. I'm you know generally an arguer. Um, I'm picking the facts that are the best for my client and, you know, arguing as zealously as possible so that my client, you know, quote unquote wins. Um, and collaborative, I, you know, I'm more working with the clients and the other professionals to brainstorm to problem solve. So, you know, these cases can be, can end up in a lot of different ways. Make sure you get all the options out on the table. Um, and go through each of the options, advantages, disadvantages, the clients like these options or not, you know, and you kind of go through, um, you know, what is the best solution for the entire family, not just for your client. And when you're in court, you're really arguing for the best solution for your client and sometimes for the best solution for the children as well. But um, yeah, I, I tend to think of it as a difference between like an advocate and an arguer. <laughs> And when people when people come to us for a collaborative divorce, they're saying, I'm getting divorced and I don't want to have a year-long battle and a terrible relationship with my former spouse and the parent of my children at the end. I want to have a settlement that works for me, that works for my kids, and that everybody can live with. And I can still go to the soccer game or the kindergarten graduation and not be miserable. Um so our goal is, is to support our clients to get to an end that looks like that. Uh, and, and Nicole, you talked about those interests. Uh, uh, how, how do you help to manage those kinds of questions in a divorce, in a collaborative divorce case? What? I think, you know, one of the first things we do at the very beginning of the work that we do in our um, association is to ask clients, why did they come to the collaborative process? Like Sue and Sophie said, usually people chose this process for a reason. And there's something really important to them about how they're going to maintain this relationship as co-parents um, after this process is over. And so hearing from them right at the beginning, why are you here? What's important to you about this process? That's something I'm going to be listening for and then reminding folks of because it's going to get hard. There are going to be hard conversations. There might be arguments. There may be resentment. There's hurt feelings. 
Those things are always going to happen. But if we can hold on to those things that feel really genuine and true for folks as the reason why they came, then we can circle back to those and say, this is hard. We know this is going to be difficult. Let's do all of that option generation. Let's remember why you're here. And that way we can sort of stay focused on the outcome, which is I need to I need to get what I need. And I also want my co-parent to get what they're going to need because we're going to be better supporting our family together after this is all over. So really kind of helping people recognize what's important to them and then honoring it as we go through the process. So sometimes people would see that there's a mental health professional involved and that you're perhaps providing therapy. Are there, is there any therapy that goes on in all of this? Not from my role. I tell people all the time that, um, you know, my, I'm trained as a mediator. I'm trained as a collaborative coach. My job is to be a neutral coach in the process. But my training is in social work. I am a licensed clinical social worker. And so I'm not going to be able to take that hat off. But my job is to be neutral and help them get their needs met in the way that they need it. So it may be that I'm saying, hey, let me reach out to your therapist and I can tell them a little bit about what our process is. I can tell them what some of the difficult places are sometimes, um, either individually about that person or maybe just in in a broad terms, here's where people really struggle uh, when they're making decisions like these. Or I can say, I think you need some extra help. And this is something that you need to really consider to support your own needs, because this is really difficult process. Um, and maybe helping them connect to a therapist that might be able to help them understand the insights that they're going through and do some of that work they may need to do to be the best person they want to be through this process, but also recognizing that on the other end, they're going to have a relationship forever if they've got kids, for sure. And Susan, uh, Nicole is talking about the, her role as a neutral. There's another neutral that's involved in a collaborative case, right? Yes, fantastic. It's a financial professional. And we rely on the financial professional to gather all of the financial information, digest it for the lawyers and what the financial professionals that we work with here in St. Louis are terrific in doing that and putting together our asset spreadsheets and making sure that everyone understands the full financial picture, the, the lawyers and the clients. They help them gather the data. They help them prepare their budgets. They help them analyze their the incomes. And then... Um, in our big decision-making meetings, the financial professional is there to give um, information on tax issues and pros and cons of various asset division. Um, it's fantastic. It's so much support to have the input of a, of a neutral financial person when people are making their decisions to make sure they make good, informed decisions. There, there are some people, Sophie, that would look at this and they would say, that sounds really expensive to have all those professionals involved. Uh, is it? it? It definitely can be. I mean, it is not a cheap process. You have two attorneys, you have a, you know, a coach and a financial professional, 
But, you know, when I meet with clients who are considering this option, I, you know, you've got to look at what is the cost of collaborative versus the cost of court. And I think in most situations, um, so you can tell me if you disagree, that court is going to be just as much because you're each paying two attorneys and potentially two set of experts. Let's say there's a business involved in the divorce. Well, if you are in court, you're both going to hire a business valuator to value that business and give you a value. Whereas in collaborative, you can hire one professional together, which automatically cuts the cost, you know, down for that. Um, but I think in collaborative, you know, it a lot of times it is cheaper just because it doesn't last as long. Where whereas you're in court in St. Louis County, you're you're looking at eight to months to a year for it to be finished. You're paying your attorneys that whole entire time almost always ends up being more expensive, in my opinion, than collaborative. And the neutral's hourly rate is less than the attorney's hourly rate. Would that be right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which then it, it means you've got an expert working on some aspects of, of the divorce with uh, with some expertise that attorneys just don't have. Am I correct on that? Right. Yeah. And in even some cases, you know, attorneys hourly rates vary, you know, widely. Um, so a lot of times there's a conversation at the beginning that both attorneys are going to change the, the same hourly rate. So the client, one client's not paying more than the other for the process. So let me just ask each of you one, one, one more question before we talk about divorce with respect week. What was it about, uh, uh, collaborative, or what brought you to the collaborative process? Uh, Sophie, why don't you go first? Um, wow. You know, I have been a certified mediator since I was in law school. So I've always been very interested in, in out-of-court processes. I see, and we all see this every day in court, just families being torn apart by this process that, you know, financially, emotionally, mentally, um, having a judge tell you what to do with your kids and, and, and all of that, you know, sort of thing. Um, so I, I often every day still think there's gotta be a better way to do this. And, um, went and heard a talk by the collaborative law association here in St. Louis. And, and I was like, this is it. I found it. This is a better process. This meets people's needs better. You know, they feel more, more, um, settled after a collaborative case than a litigation they often don't return back to court as much either. They just return to a collaborative process for any disputes that may arise later. So um, I wish everybody would do collaborative law. I think it's what's best for the family. Um, I think it's suited. There are some situations where it's not the best option um, for various reasons. But, um, you know, anybody that comes to my office, I pitch them collaborative law first because I just believe in it so much and in in its power and really helping people through this journey. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, what brought you to collaborative? I I think kind of similar to Sophie, I started learning about mediation when I was in grad school and I thought, ooh, I want to do that. But then I had to have a whole career as a social worker first before I came back to mediation. And I love mediation, but some families need more support than that. And when I learned about the collaborative process, I thought, oh my goodness, that you know, this is a process that's really taking care of the whole family in ways that mediation doesn't do and certainly not the litigated process. It's a team that's thinking together for the best interests of the family. So you have all these really smart people in a room and I get to 
sometimes be one of them, that can help people think about what's important to them. How do they want to do this as best they can? You know, we talked about the financial professional. I love working with financial professionals because they can help the family think of what's the way to take care of you guys all the best moving forward and not one person over the other. So all of that teamwork to me as a social worker was really appealing to be able to really hit the needs of more families in that way. Yeah. And then, Susan, what brought you to collaborative? I did my first divorce decades ago, and you, we were litigating for a year, preparing for trial, and then settling our cases in the hallway at the courthouse on the day of trial. The first time I did that, I was like, there, as Sophie said, there has got to be a better way to do this. And that was mediation at that time was in its infancy. So it, so I I started looking around, how can you do this in a better way? And mediation was what surfaced. So I got trained as a mediator and I mediated for about a decade, still looking at how is this going and is this helping people? And for, for a lot of families, mediation is enough help. But for many, many, many families, they were still litigating for a year and then settling. And I so I just was, as I'm working along in my family law career, thinking about that. And then in around 2000, might've been 2001, something came across my desk about collaborative. And that was, it, it had been percolating. The first collaborative case was in 1990, but the, the, the concept of collaborative had been percolating around the country for then for about 10 years. And, I, and it caught my attention. And I thought I need to know more about that. And I bought Pauline Tesler's book on collaborative law and um, got really excited about the concept, talked to my mediator colleagues in town, and we, we formed the Collaborative Family Law Association. And the, what attracted me about it was for people who wanted to make the commitment to divorcing in a non-adversarial way, that word that we talked about at the beginning, um, but needed more help than just doing it at their kitchen table or just doing it with a neutral mediator. It gives you help on all of the pieces, your financial, your mental health, and your legal, the support of lawyers and, and the support of the professional team. And it it keeps you um, on the right track to have a an outcome that works as best as it can for your family. So that's what led me to it was it for the people who wanted that outcome, but needed more help than mediation offered. Um, it was fantastic, fantastic option. So we're doing this podcast in advance of Divorce with Respect Week, which is coming up March 4th through 8th. And the uh, process of, of Divorce with Respect Week is that it's an opportunity for someone to schedule a consultation to talk with a divorce professional for free to get more information about uh, about the divorce process. Uh, how should someone prepare to uh, have a initial consultation with you? Sophie? Um, you know, I think we we all have our own processes in our, in our own firms and everything. But, you know, I start out by asking the client a bunch of information, just background information, things like that, to fill out a form before they come in. Um, you know, the first meeting with an attorney can be a lot. I mean, you, you know, you're very stressed. You're probably very worried. Um, and it can re really be a lot. So 
I would really, you know, urge clients to be there to take notes and to really listen and to ask questions. Um, you know, especially like how much is gonna, how much is this gonna cost? How long is this gonna take? Um, I don't think that there's any information they necessarily need to bring to the initial consultation. Um, so I, I think the the consultation will be mostly spent with the attorney talking about what is collaborative, is this good for your family? Kind of, you know, analyzing whether their situation fits um into a collaborative, you know, case. Um not and and I wouldn't expect a lot of questions to be answered necessarily in that first half an hour, but really just an in-depth um overview of what the collaborative process is and what they can expect. And so, uh, Nicole, a conversation with you because you're not an attorney, how how would a consultation with you be different? So when I first start um, working with folks, I take some time to talk about the different processes, right? Like here's what mediation looks like and here's what the collaborative process looks like. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't tell you what the litigated process is, but I think we all know enough to know if you're calling on this day with the divorce with respect week, you're looking for something different. So just talking about those processes, what they look like here, um, what my role would be. Um, the other thing I like to hear from people is, and I think people are in a place where they need to talk about what their worries are what their hopes are, maybe what their goals are. So they can start to think about, here's what's important to me. How do I find a process that fits well for what I need? Um, and so kind of talking through those with folks is probably what I would do on that consultation call. Yeah. And then Susan, the same question for you in a consultation. What, what should someone expect? So if they want to come in without any preparation at all, they can do that and just I'll give them a basic rundown, but if they want to make the best use of the consultation, then they're going to have gathered at least an overview of what their financial picture is and then done a little background reading on their own. So, for example, the International um, Association of Collaborative Professionals has a ton of information on their website. The St. Louis Collaborative Family Law Association has a lot of information on their website about the various paths to divorce. I have a lot of information on my website about the various paths to divorce. So if they have the time to do a little background reading on their own so that they come in and we're not using these words for the first time, then they can make better use of their time. But if it's like, oh, I want to make my call during Divorce with Respect Week and I don't have time to do any reading. Just make the call and we'll do the best we can. All right. Great. Great. We appreciate you all being with us today for the Respectful Divorce podcast. Uh, uh, good information that I think people can really use. Um, the uh, If you want to learn more about the collaborative divorce process in the St. Louis area, the uh, website is stlouiscollaborativelaw.com. We're going to put a link to the website in the show notes as well. Uh, this reminder that the 2024 Divorce with Respect Week is March 4th through 8th. And for more information, you can go to divorcedwithrespectweek.com. I'm Tim Crouch reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knot.